212. It's Kara G and I'm coming to you. You're tuned in. Whoop-de-doo. It's Tuesday afternoon. What it do? Holy shit. How the hell are you guys? You didn't know I was a rapper, did ya? Welcome back to the show. This is Perfection Unfolding with me, Kara G. And this is episode seven. How are we doing? How the hell are we? I am uh, Merry Christmas. Also, for those who celebrate, happy holidays to those who don't. I am recording this at, what time is it? It's literally, it's 12.03 here on PST. Right now, I waited till the very last second to record this episode because I wanted to enjoy my weekend. I had a three-day weekend, hung out with my roommates. We made an awesome Christmas dinner. There was a... we had a prime rib, I made the brussies, I made the broccoli, and I made my grandma's famous three-layer dessert, which was a hit amongst all the boys. I literally have, you know, nine roommates, and they're all dudes, except for there is one girl. And uh, it was just nice. We all sat around, everyone who was home, who didn't go home for the holidays. We just had like a little Misfits Christmas dinner, and... um it was lovely. It was wonderful. And we watched Christmas movies yesterday. And I kind of just let myself off the hook. I was like, listen, could I have recorded this earlier? Sure. Sure, I could have. But you know what? I'm living life on the edge. This next week going into New Year's is going to be chill at work. I deserve to a little bit, live a little. And so that's exactly what I did. Um, but before we get into episode... Because I missed it last week, we're going to get into our gratitude section. And this week, I am... So, first of all, take a pause. Kind of think about to yourself what you're grateful for. Okay, now that you're back. Um, this week, I made a list. Like I'm grateful for clarity. I am grateful for my family. I FaceTimed with my niece today, um, and she showed me her her brand new tea set that she got for Christmas. And she was trying to just force feed me coffee through the FaceTime call. Just, she's like, you need more coffee, don't you? You need more. And I was like, no, please God, make it stop. Um, but that was awesome. Um, it was good to see my brother and my sister-in-law. I FaceTime mom and I saw my dad taking a nap, uh, wished them a, a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday. Um, I'm grateful for family. I'm grateful for my new roommates. They're all chill as hell. Um, I could not be luckier that they're just a bunch of goofballs. Um, and they like talking with me and we all just are like chopping it up together and we're goofing around. Like I said, we're watching movies, we're cooking. My one roommate even got me a freaking Christmas present. Like what? I feel so bad. He got me a Legos, uh, a, a Lego set that's ba- it, like you it's like a set of succulents so I could be- make my own succulent garden out of Legos and I was like to be honest with you this is awesome but also my nightmare so how about you guys put it together and then I'll just put my succulent garden in my room okay um but that was super sweet grateful for my new roommates um moving into a house with that many people could be really bad like it could go really one of two ways and it, in my case, it, it got a, has a 50-50 chance they could be terrible and they're wonderful. So I feel very blessed. Um, I'm grateful for 
shared hardship. Literally this week, it's been like the heartbreak hotel at the house <laughs> amongst the boys and me. You know, I'm going through my own thing. But uh, it's just nice like chopping it up and talking about our feelings and what we're going through. And we're able to laugh about what's happening to us. But also like we all recognize that like, yeah, this shit sucks. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for listening ears. That kind of goes hand in hand with that. I'm grateful for my own intuitive wisdom. Um, I'm I'm grateful for the fact that like I've practiced listening to myself so much over the years that every time I have a question about something that I'm like not sure about, I actually know. Like, I know. Every time I think to myself, mm, is it this or is it this? If I just sit for half a second, my intuition's like, you know what the answer is. You know already know what it is. Why are you asking a question you already have the answer to. Don't play me. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm also grateful for my sadness. Like, like, I, and I mean that. I mean, I really do. I'm, I'm a very sensitive person and, and I'm grateful that I'm in a position in my adulthood and my womanhood and my personhood that I can sit with my sadness and just let it be what it is. I literally cried myself to sleep twice last week and I woke up crying this morning. <laughs> I mean, it's Christmas. And even though I'm surrounded by people, new people, it's I'm still kind of alone, you know? And it just be like that for right now. And it'll be like that until I get to know people a little bit better and feel more at home in this place. Um, but I just let it out. I just let myself fucking cry. Excuse my French. Sorry, mom. Um, and I honor that. And I honor when I need to do it and I just let it happen. And sometimes I get annoyed that I'm so sad sometimes because when you cry that much, sometimes you get a little snotty and then you can't breathe. And I'm like, oh, that's annoying. I have to go get up and blow my nose. And, you know, it can be like an annoying practice. But every time it comes up, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to let it be what it is. I'm not going to try to fight it. And then I keep it moving, you know, and that's exactly what I did today and what I did yesterday and what I did the day before. <laughs> And I just have room to hold space for more than one thing at a time. Like like those memes you see on Instagram. It's like you can be sad and joyful on Christmas. Like two things can be true at once. And I even go beyond that. I'm like, you know, 360 things can be true at once. It's full sphere, you know, full sphere of emotion. So one minute I'm goofing around and being silly and, and funny. And the next minute I'm just, you know, thinking about my grief. And it's just like, you know what? Cool. This is what being alive is all about. Am I right? You got to love it. Um, I'm grateful for my open communication. I'm grateful for my ability to be able to communicate like freely and like what I'm doing right now. I'm just kind of, I'm chopping it up with you guys. That seems to be the verb of the day, chopping it up. Um, I'm not afraid of what I'm feeling. I'm not afraid of speaking my truth. I'm not afraid of really anything. And when I do experience fear, I mean, I'm talking like, you know, emotional fear, like made up fear, stories that I tell myself fear. When I do experience that, I'm like, cool. I recognize you. I see you. I know that you're there. Like I can, I know that you're here to try to keep me safe, but like normally you're not, it's not very helpful, the fear. So I'm just like, you're here as like an old programming mechanism that I used to use to cope and to numb myself out and to like keep myself small and safe. But like, I don't need you anymore. 
I recognize you, that you're, you know, you're valid. You're trying to keep me safe. Thank you, ego. Love you for that. Always looking out for your girl. But I'm living in like a deeper, more grounded, intuitive space. So like, yes, there is the ego fear, but a lot of times I'm just like, well, that's not gonna, that's not going to help me get to my goal. My goal is scary. That's why it's trying to keep me safe, right? So I'm grateful for that open, the way I can communicate that with myself and with others. And um, the more I lean into it, the more I practice it, the doper I feel, the more myself I feel. So that's kind of cool. And lastly, I'm grateful for the truth. The truth will set you free. The truth is like literally the best gift. And every time... I feel myself start to make up a story that's not grounded in truth. I am grateful that I can find my way back and I can use the truth as my North Star and to keep me from making things up, whether it's for my betterment or for my detriment. Um, I'm grateful for the truth. So if you haven't today, take a second. Um, if you didn't do it earlier, take a second to just think about what you're grateful for and just sit in it. You know, pause this, sit in it list off a couple things that have happened this week, list off a couple people who've inspired you, list off um, things that you're proud of yourself for doing or for an awareness that you've come to or literally anything. You could be grateful for the, you know, like the the fact that your car locks. What a, what a, what a gift. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe anything. But I encourage you to take a second and just sit in your heart space and be in gratitude for a second. And I hope that you feel better because of it. So um, I'm going to go into some life updates since I, um, even though you guys are pretty much following along to my life as I'm living it in real time. Um, life updates, again, I spent Christmas alone around my roommates, so not technically alone. Um, I already told, I already spoke about how the house has been the Heartbreak Hotel, which has been hilarious and kind of like a bummer, you know, it's just like, dang, it's hard to watch people go through things that, that are painful, you know? Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, I've been going through my own thing and my, to my toxic trait is that I deal with things by myself and then I bring them to the table and share them with the group. But I've kind of been experimenting, expressing myself, even though these people are new, I'm like, my truth is my truth. My sadness is my sadness. Y'all might as well know about it. It's not a secret. Um, but also in in the theme of this heartbreak hotel, um, I've just been noticing like there's a lot of endings happening around me. Just like the years coming to an end, a lot of my roommates' relationships are coming to an end. Like I feel like I'm coming to the end of like a long cycle. And like even though everybody feels like the new year, it's like new year, new me, whatever. And like the memes on Instagram are talking about how no one said that this year, and it's like, yeah, we know that shit never works. Um. I don't feel like I'm going to be a new me, but I do feel like there's opportunity for me to grow exponentially in this new year, especially career-wise. Um, that's my whole goal. It's like why I'm holed up in the mountains is to save money and to like build my shit and to like really lean into it and stop being so afraid. So I've been noticing a lot of endings happening, but like also with that, I'm sure a lot of new beginnings, but this week after Christmas going into New Year's is always like, it feels like time is standing still, but also moving super fast, right? Um, I kind of like it. It feels like potential energy is just kind of accumulating and 
like you're about to like it's like the the countdown before a hundred meter dash, right? You're just like you're like on the blocks, you're focused in. You are just like repeating your mantras to yourself over and over and over again, like, I got this, you got this, like eye on the prize, eye on the prize. And then, you know, January one comes around and you just sprint off the block and you know, you hope that you you keep the stamina to, to make it to the end of whatever you're trying to accomplish. But like, that's what it feels like right now is just like this potential energy, um, which I find fascinating because where I, what I feel now versus last week, it's like kind of wildly different. Like I felt a little more slothy last week and this week I feel a little bit more energized, but that probably has to do with the fact that like I'm ovulating at the moment. When If you know anything about the female cycle, it's like your freaking hormones have everything to do with how you feel. And, uh, when you're ovulating, you feel like you're on top of the world. You're like vibrant and you're like, I could run a marathon and do all the things. So last week I was on my period and you know, whatever. So, but whatever, a win's a win. Okay. A win is a motherfucking win. Um, some other life updates. Um, I'm, you know, sad, to, still sad to be far away from my family. Um, but you know, it, it's kind of, like I said, like once I settle in, and, you know, I'm also, I'm ovulating, my spirits are a little bit higher. Like, I feel like I'm kind of getting my, my grounding. I feel like I'm, I'm picking up what they're putting down at work and I'm getting to know more people and figure out how the system works. And the more people I talk to, the more I'm like, okay, I've got a feel for what's going on, which is dope. Um, but the biggest thing I'm going through and it's uh, kind of a vulnerable share, um, I'm like struggling to figure out how to navigate this like post breakup relationship with my ex. <laughs> and I'm not going to get too into it just because it's like, it's happening in real time. And like, out of respect for both of us, um, neither one of us knows what the fuck is going on with each other. Um, moving forward, we're kind of just like, winging it right like wow neither one of us pretend to have the answers and that's fair but something that we had a conversation recently and he said something well he said this he was like you know maybe it is right person wrong time and to which i replied i don't believe in that <laughs> you know um and that's kind of where I've been in my head since we had that conversation. It's just like this philosophy of right person, wrong time. Like I feel like so often we get caught up in in it. And I wanted to really like dig into it and because I don't believe in it. I I and I don't know, I I couldn't pinpoint as to what it was. And I thought about it and I came to the conclusion that I think that it's bullshit. <laughs> and I just doubled double down on the fact that I don't believe in right person, wrong time. And and I, and so what I did is I, I woke up this morning and it was Christmas and every morning, like I told you guys before, I write in my journal. I do a, it's part of my, the artist way, uh, morning pages. And I, this, and I didn't know I was going to be writing about this, but apparently it was just like, so in my mind that I wrote a journal entry about it. And I'm going to start our let's go deep section with this. And this is going to be pretty much like the start of the chunk of the episode, like this theme of right person, wrong time and where it comes from. And, and honestly, I picked a side. I think it's bullshit. I think it's, um, kind of lazy. And I mean that lovingly, uh, 
<laughs> so we're gonna get into it. I I even looked up I looked up some uh uh anxious avoidant, you know, like we're gonna get into situationships, we're gonna get into like, you know, the looking waiting for the right one. We're gonna we're gonna talk about anxious avoidant attachments. I just did a big deep dive. Um I'm gonna and it's gonna I'm gonna back up kind of like my philosophy behind why I think the right person wrong time philosophy is bullshit and a little bit lazy. Um so let's get into it. Let's get let's go deep if you will. Um so starting with my journal entry from today um 10:32 a.m. December 25th, 2023. Morning pages day 83. This is the 83rd day that I've written in my journal. And it goes like this. There is no such thing as the right person, wrong time. There's only, I choose to work it out with this person because I love them and I want them. It's that simple. The right person is a myth. The right time is a myth. The right person, wrong time is a myth. Doing hard things is inconvenient. Being in a relationship and working to make and keep it healthy and fulfilling is inconvenient. It's never the right time. The right time doesn't just come to you and magically appear. You create your reality. You choose your right person. You create your right time. You make choices and move forward in those choices as best you can. A better phrase would be right person, wrong tools, or right person, no tools, or the right person, wrong idea about how sustainable relationships work. Being in love with someone is an inconvenient thing to do and can be rather irritating if you've been alone the majority of your life. When you love someone, you start taking their life into consideration. You start letting them influence your decisions. When you love someone, your life is no longer centered around just you. But that's the point. When you love someone and all those, those things are happening, then congratulations, you're doing it correctly. It's when you don't feel called to do those things for your partner that you're probably in trouble. You're supposed to feel for your partner and want to work together to build a beautiful life. The gift of partnership is the opportunity to live for something bigger than you, to contribute to a higher mission, to challenge yourself to level up in your capacity for giving and receiving. Being alone is cool, but it's the easier choice. It's a totally awesome and valid experience to live for yourself. The experience of doing life solo in, rom in a romantic sense can be equally or even more so enjoyable than partnership. I'll be the first one to tell you. But for those that feel called to partnership, but choose to be alone, just know that's a cop out. Oh, you're afraid of messing up and doing the wrong thing? Well, guess what? I can guarantee you'll fuck up. I can guarantee you'll say the wrong thing and make some mistakes. Because why? Because so will I. We all have do and will. Because how are you supposed to be good at something you've never tried before? Or better yet, how are you supposed to be good at something you've never tried your best at before? How can you expect to be a master at the craft of healthy relating if you've never practiced before? If you've never been given the chance to practice before? If you've never felt safe enough to practice, you can't. This shit takes time and effort and patience and compassion and your best effort and willingness to try over and over and over again. 
Building a relationship with your quote unquote right person is an inconvenient practice to to dedicate yourself to. It's a heartbreaking practice and it can be wildly annoying to be bad at it at first, but my God, is it not worth it when you finally have a chance to try, to practice, to get good at it with a person you love and adore and feel for and want to build a life with? To say yes requires a mindset that no one can give you. You have to cultivate it for yourself from the pits of your guts. You have to be willing to be seen trying and failing. You have to show up in vulnerability, knowing it's your greatest strength and tool in getting better and practicing better to be the best partner you can be for the person you choose to love, knowing they're doing the same for you. And to say no to that kind of opportunity is to play small. It's the easier choice to blame being bad at it on the quote unquote right person, wrong time. And I think that that phrase is horseshit. (laughs) You can do better than that. I know you can, but it's all a choice. Whatever you choose, I hope it takes more than a little effort and inconvenience to keep you from choosing your highest, most aligned, right, quote unquote, person. Just know you have to build the life you want. There's no magic sign that will fall into your lap one day and say, yes, this is the one. This is your right person, right time. You have to build and choose the partnership you truly desire. No one can or will do it for you. All you can do is trust your gut and keep moving forward. (laughs) So, you know, I wrote that and I was like, damn, I feel some type of way, don't I? And honestly, it comes from a place of just like, I work so hard to build myself and to be the person I want to be. And I do the same thing in relationship. Like, I work so hard to like build and to, and to love and to like, I I don't know. Like for me, like, I don't have this. And maybe it's, sorry, so many things are happening in my brain. I have created such a relationship with myself that I trust myself almost to the nth degree. Like I can count on like three fingers how many times I've like kind of second guessed myself in the last two-ish years. And even then it was like, I caught myself, you know what I mean? I was like, no, 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 like this is my truth. And every it's and it's like those three times I probably reached out to maybe maybe two two or three people like am I crazy like am I doing the right thing and those people were like my mom and my best friends but at the end of the day like I knew what the truth was I knew what I needed to do so like I've cultivated this relationship with myself right so when I meet somebody who I vet who I like deem worthy of partnership with me right because I'm. I'm my my biggest protector at this point. And they they make the cut and and they show up in all the ways that I want them to show up and like they're what I deem like my life partner, my perfect partner. And not because they're perfect, but because the way that we relate to each other makes sense and is sustainable like in my mind for the most part. Like, I'm sure about that. 
I trust myself to go there and to to dive in face first, like full chest, just like balls to the wall, all or nothing. Like, let's fucking try. You're my right person. You're my right time. Let's do it. It's hard for me to like, because I have that. It's hard for me to like, I just can't relate. And I, and even though I, I'm not saying that because I can't relate to it, it's not real. I have other, I have other resources. Thank you very much that I've looked up and just, you know, obviously confirmation bias, but like, you have to, it's good to, it's, it's good every once in a while to pick like a firm side on something, you know, cause I tend to be somebody who sits in the middle and I leave room for nuance and, and I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that like right person, wrong time doesn't have a place in the world. I'm sure it does, but it, it is grounded in this like, in this like world where you're living in the future that doesn't exist. Right. And I'm a person who tends to, who has in the past tended to get caught up in, in a future that doesn't exist. Like right now, I'm, I am finding myself going in, transporting myself into a future that doesn't exist where me and my ex get back together. And I'm his right person, right time. Right? But like, the reality is, is that I'm not. That future doesn't exist. And I don't know what it will take to get him into that, into that future, into that reality. But what I do know is that like in the interim, like hearing those words, right person, wrong time. I'm like, I'm still not good enough. Because for me, my reality, what in my present, like I have not changed, right? I've been the exact same the entire time. So if I didn't, if I don't work for you now in the present moment, what makes you think I'm going to work for you in the future? Right? So it's like the right person, wrong time doesn't exist because if the time isn't right now, what makes you think the time is going to be right later? You know what I mean? Like what changes, right? And it's, and you know, maybe there's a circumstance where like, you know, online, I read a couple of things where it's like, oh, like right person, wrong time. Like you met somebody three weeks before they shipped off to go across the world. I mean, literally my first relationship, I met my my boyfriend three weeks before I went to boot camp. And I could have very easily been like, oh man, he was wonderful, but like right person, wrong time. And then just never talked to him again. But guess what? He wrote me a letter every day for three months while he was in boot camp. And then we dated after he got out and we were long distance and we kept dating and we just kept planning things to look forward to. But that could have easily been a right person, wrong time. Like, oh, I wonder what would have happened. But guess what? He was the right person, right time because we made it work where there's a will, there's a way. Right. So I think of this, that, that, that this philosophy of right person, wrong time is like, it's just, it's bullshit because if it was the right person, then you would make the time, right? You would create the reality in which the time made sense. Right. And so <laughs> I'm a little bit passionate about this. I just said a lot of things, but I, f- I did find this, um, this article cause I want to get into like, like today I want to get into right person, wrong time philosophy. And also that's going to lead me into like situationships, anxious, avoidant attachment, and like all that stuff that I spoke to earlier. And we're going to get into that. But first I want to read you this article that I found. Um, it was actually originally posted on thoughtcatalog.com. 
uh, by and it was written by Heidi Prebe uh, or Prebe. I feel like a dumb dumb because I don't know how to pronounce that. And admittedly, it is me with my confirmation biased. I will fully admit that. But it just it resonated really hard with what I'm trying to get across. Um, and so I'll read it. It's called The Truth About Meeting Someone at the Wrong Time. Timing is something that none of us can seem to qu get quite right with relationships. We meet the person of our dreams the month before they leave to go study abroad. We form an incredibly close friendship with an attractive person who's already taken. One relationship ends because our partner isn't ready to get serious, and another ends because they're getting serious too soon. It would be perfect, quote unquote, we moan to our friends, if only this were five years from now, eight years sooner, or some dis some indistinct time in the future where all our problems would take care of themselves. Timing seems to be the invariable third party in all of our relationships. And yet we never stop to consider why we let timing play such a drastic role in our lives. Timing is a bitch, yes, but it's only a bitch if we let it be. Here's a simple truth that I think we all need to face up to. The people we meet at the wrong time are actually just the wrong people. Which, editor's note, that shit hits, it hits a string in me that just like hurts my feelings. <laughs> the hopeless romantic in me. I digress and continue. You never meet the right people at the wrong time because the right people are timeless. The right people make you want to throw away the plans you originally had for one. Oh, sorry. Blah, blah. The right people make you want to throw away the plans you originally had for one and follow them into the hazy, unknown future without a glance backwards. The right people don't make you hmm and ha about whether or not you want to be with them. You just know. You know that any adventure you had originally planned out for your future isn't going to be half as incredible as the adventures you could have by their side. That no matter what you thought you wanted before, this is better. Everything is better since they came along. I'm literally going to cry. <laughs> when you are with the right person, time falls away. You don't worry about fitting them into your complicated schedule because they become part of that schedule. They become the backbone of it. Your happiness becomes your priority. And so long as they are contributing to it, you can work around the rest. The right people don't stand in the way of the things you once wanted and make you choose them over them. The right people encourage you to try harder, dream bigger, do better. They bring out the most incredible parts of yourself and make you want to fight harder than ever before. The right people don't impose limits on your time or your dreams or your abilities. They won't tackle those mountains with they want to tackle those mountains with you and they don't care how much time it takes. With the right person, you have all the time in the world. The truth is, when we pass someone up because the timing is wrong, what we are really saying is that we don't care to spend our time on that person. There will never be a magical time when everything falls into place and fixes all our broken relationships. But there may someday be a person who makes the issue of timing irrelevant. Because when someone is right for us, we make the time to let them into our lives. And that kind of timing is always right. Even though this article isn't perfect, it speaks to the core of what I'm trying to get at. And that's like, timing is irrelevant when you're with the right person. And to add on to that, my piece is like, you pick the right person. The right person doesn't just come to you. 
you choose them. And so with that logic, <laughs> with that logic, my feelings are hurt, right? Because <laughs> if I'm the right person wrong time, then I'm just the wrong person. And if that's the truth, then there's nothing for me to look forward to. There's nothing for me to look forward to because I am not the right person for, for them. And that hurts my feelings. But that's the truth. You know? The truth hurts, but it'll set you free. And um, it's just a shame because, like, I read this article, you know, and I'm like, damn, like, I felt all those things. Like, that's so true. Like, time is irrelevant. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm such a hopeless romantic, bro. I would literally drop everything right now to make it work, you know? But I can't change. I can't, I can't make myself the right person if I'm not. Even if they're the right person for me in my brain, you know? But at the same time, they're... They can't be the right person for me either, <laughs> right? Otherwise, we'd be together. We'd be, we have to equally come together and make it work. <sighs> but this whole philosophy of like right person, wrong time, like it really is like bullshit. It really is bullshit because that time the time that you're you're talking about like where it works it doesn't exist whether it was in the past or whether it's in the future it doesn't exist you make your time like you you choose your life you create your reality you choose your partner and you make the time work for you you're not a slave to the time time does nothing without effort time does nothing without you like the, the time doesn't make you change. Time doesn't change anything. Time just keeps going whether you change or not, right? So to live in the fantasy of right person, right or wrong time is is kind of it's silly and it's unhelpful. Cause like she said, like the hard truth is that like they might just be the wrong person. Because with the right person, time is irrelevant. And I think that that's like hitting the nail on the head for me in terms of what I'm trying to get at. Um and this leads me into like, there's nuance to this, right? Like, like this leads me into like situationships, right? Because I feel like even though my ex and I, we weren't in a situationship, we were very much so in a committed relationship. Like I have been in situationships before where literally I was dating someone, I was dating someone off and on for like a year. And then, you know, fast forward three years later, I'm like, oh, maybe it was just like the right person, wrong time. No. <laughs> no. Uh, they were shitty then, they were shitty in the present. Like there was no change. No change happened. Like I was not the right person for them. In my my brain, I made myself think I was. I made up a story. And even though the situation ship and then my, my and then my relationship with my ex are totally different, like it still somehow feels the exact same. <laughs> you know? And even though I've done work to think like it's I know it's a them thing, it's not a me thing, like there's still that little piece of trauma in my brain that's just like, you're not good enough. You're not good enough. Even though I like put my whole, my whole 
yourself out there and I dove in and I I tried, you know, and I showed up in integrity and I I did the work and you know, it's just it's not enough for that person, but that just means that they're not the right person. And that's not to say that that they can't be the right person later, but like I think I full chest believe right person right time like I needed to go through that situation ship and I needed to have my first boyfriend and I needed to go through this last relationship with my ex like I was exactly the right person at exactly the right time and they were exactly the right person at the right time for me it's just time goes on and you become new people and there's you know there's like new time differences I don't know like I believe that everything is exactly the way it's, it's as it's supposed to be. Like I've said before, I needed to be loved by my ex the way that he loved me. And he needed to be loved by me the way I loved him. And that was beautiful. And we both came to this beautiful awareness and we both gave each other these things that we needed. And now I'm just facing the fact it's like, well, do we just leave it at that? Right? Like <laughs> posing a question to the audience. Like, when do you know when to let go? Right? Like, I don't want to. Hopeless romantic in me is like, no, please, God, no. <laughs> I'll wait for you till the end of time. But then the other side of me is like, is that me waiting to be chosen? Like, is that pathetic of me? Is that me disrespecting myself? Like, Or do I trust that they want to come back and show up for me in all these ways that they want, that they, they didn't know how to, but now they, but now they are trying to, and they want to, like, I don't know what, I don't know what the answer to that is. I mean, I think I know what the answer to that is, but the truth hurts my feelings, you know? And even though it's not intentional, it's like still painful. (laughs) And I can't just choose their awareness for them, right? Like, they know what they're doing. Like, I can't pretend, I can't sit here and think like, oh, like, they don't know. Like, blah. No, everybody knows exactly what they're doing. And the truth is, right person, wrong time just means like, you don't have the time to make me the right person (laughs) or the desire, I suppose. Because if you're, if you're if you're waiting for someone to choose it for you, like I can't choose that for them, you know. And if you're in a similar situation, like you can't make your partner choose you, bro. There is no future where you're the right person with the present information at hand. People are allowed to change. People are allowed to ebb and flow. People are allowed to come to new awareness, but you have to live in the present. And I'm trying to live in the present, right? And in the present, I am not the right person. I'm the wrong person. At this moment in time, I was the right person for, for while we were dating and now I'm not. And that's okay. And I'm not, and now I'm just ranting, but I do have other, other points I want to make. Um, I want to just to, like I'm just kind of speaking to like the fact that it's not black and white, right? Like, yes, I am leaning on the side that I think that right person, wrong time is bullshit, you know? But like, like I said before, I'm sure that there's, there's situations in time where it's like, you know, people will link back up, but guess what? Like, I think that that's only possible if there's a plan of action. 
right? Another another cliche, but that's also like super true and and helpful to live by is like, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? Like if if you're in a situation, if you're in a situation, for instance, where you're like, you and your partner separate and you still love each other and you still think each other is wonderful. And every time you're together, it's like, you can't imagine your life any other way, right? But there's no plan to separate and then come back together. Like, what what are you waiting for? What are you looking forward to? That that's where I'm at. Right? Like, if there was a plan for you to get back together and like you're you're gonna take some time apart and you're gonna you're gonna figure some stuff out and you're gonna think about think 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 some things through and then come back together and you know, figure things out or try again or whatever. Like that's that's where I could say, like, okay, right person, wrong time, but like you're creating your own time at that point. You're planning to come back together. You're creating your own reality. You are deciding what you want and moving forward accordingly to make it happen. In my situation, like, I know what I want, you know, but like my ex doesn't, right? So what is there to look forward to? We're we're still exactly in the same place we were when we broke up. Nothing's changed, Right. And maybe this is too vulnerable to put on the internet and maybe this hurts his feelings and I apologize. I really do. Um, but I'm not sorry. <laughs> my truth is my truth. And uh, the truth hurts. And if I have to live with the truth, so do you, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. So, but anyway, but like, that's like, that is like, again, even still, like I'm proving my point. Like this, this whole philosophy is bullshit because it is the right person, the right time, because you're creating the time and you're still have something to look forward to. And you're putting in the work like where there's a will, where there's a way. If they wanted to, they would. There's a plan of action. I think back to like my first boyfriend, like there was always a plan of like when we were going to see each other next, when we were going to see each other next. And we, we always had something to look forward to. So it was a long distance, long distance relationship, but, but it didn't matter because we were together and we decided, because that's what we both wanted. We were both like in it. We were both doing it. And then we ended up breaking up at the point where we realized there's no more plan moving forward. And we were like, damn, okay, let's break up then. Right. And that's where I'm just like, and and there was no, there was no back and forth with, with that first boyfriend. It was just like, it was a clean break. We were both sad and we kept it moving. And I don't know what my problem is right now with like having a hard time doing that. Um, because I thought I worked through all this shit. I thought I worked through the 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 need to make people want me, you know. To be chosen, to be special, like But guess what? I'm on a nonlinear journey. This shit is messy. Doesn't make any sense. And uh I'm still a little baby, I'm a little baby healer, you know. I'm I'm being vulnerable. I'm almost crying on the podcast cuz this is very real-time information and but whatever like i told you said before i don't give a fuck this is the truth this is who i am this is what i'm doing this is what i'm going through and i'm like talking it out with you in real time so thank you for being here i appreciate you so much and i hope that you are at least entertained um 
And if you're going through the same thing, like, I am so sorry. Like, bro. It does get easier to practice advocating for yourself and respecting yourself. But if you're a hopeless romantic like me, like, this is, I feel like we're in it for the long haul. Like, let's be honest. Because because I've decided to not harden my heart and be jaded by the world, this is a part of my practice is feeling all the things. And also I'm a solution oriented person. Like if there's something I want, I want to exhaust every resource in my book to get it right. Like when I feel called to reach out, I reach out. When I feel called to tell people I love them, I tell them because that's a part of my anti-regret system, (laughs) my anti-regret plan. Is I'm, I, like when I see something, I go after it <laughs> full, like wholeheartedly with no regret. And um, I just, I wish I could give that to the people that I love, to the men that I love, but I can't. And that's the truth. And this leads me into, again, there's nuance to all of this. Like there, are, I'm sure that there's, 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 points in time where this philosophy works but i just haven't found one yet like to be honest with you (laughs) i think the delusional version of me used to think oh yeah like right person wrong time but the truth of the like the fact of the matter is like that's just not true like i just don't think that that exists like if someone wanted to be with you they would they would move mountains to make it happen um if they were sure about you right if they're unsure about you they want to keep their options open if they they're unsure about you yeah they're going to move on with their life right like and so I want to get into like normally in situations like this, like it's almost always like an anxious avoidant thing. And yeah, I'm sure like there, or at least it's, it's a, it's a, um, like for situationships or like the one, like the right person, wrong timing. Like it usually has to do with some kind of anxious avoidant situation. And if not, okay, sue me, whatever. But I would say a lot of the time, like situationships and stuff, it has to do with an anxious avoidant. Mind you, I am a recovering anxious attached, anxiously attached person. I would actually, I actually say I have more of like a disorganized attachment. Um, if you're familiar with attachment theory, and most of the men that I relate with are naturally avoidant. Which, if you know anything about attachment theory, like anxious and avoidance freaking love each other because guess what? We have the same, <laughs> the same fear. We just deal with it differently. Um, in anxious avoidant, um like partnerships or relationships there's usually one person who wants something casual like in a situationship for instance like there's always someone who wants something casual and there's always someone who wants something uh you know more permanent or exclusive at least in my experience like in my situationship days um almost always you know i'd be dating somebody we'd be hanging out We'd both be just like giving boyfriend, girlfriend vibes. We'd be going on dates. We'd be going on trips. We'd be doing all this stuff together, getting food together, relating, having sleepovers, just bonding, just the two of us. At least, you know, I would think it was just the two of us, to my knowledge. And then I would always hit them with the, you know, what are we doing? I want a relationship. And they'd be like, no, thanks. And to, you know, every time, at least from my one big situation I had, it was like, he was like, I don't want a relationship. And I was like, okay, dope. Well, I don't want to see you anymore. And then we were like, okay, bye. Well, then as the avoidance who don't want a relationship always in true avoidant fashion, 
they come back around, they check up on you and they're like, hey, so yeah, like you want to go get food? And, you know, my the old version of me when I was going through this thing, I would just be like, hmm, well, even though I know they don't want a relationship, like I deserve to have a little bit of fun, right? Like I can be cool, casual. I can do something I can do something sexy and cash. Yeah, for sure. Okay, let's get food. And then it would turn into, you know, four more weeks of me bonding and them giving me boyfriend vibes. And then them still, them at least, you know, being honest, being like, I don't want a relationship. And my delusional self was like, okay, dope. Well, I just don't want to see you anymore because I'm catch- I'm still have feelings for you. But, and, you know, I did this like several times, right? I just kept uh, denying my my reality and and telling myself that I could do something that I had no business doing. Like I am way too sensitive to sit here and and lie to myself about, you know, the feelings that I had, but that's what I did. I would just, my anxiety would like, like we would be relating and everything would be cool, casual, sexy, fun. And then I would feel them being like distance distance they would distance themselves as we got closer and then that would trigger my anxiety and i'd be like no come closer come closer and so i'd like to keep them close i would just like i totally abandon my needs and be like i don't have needs i just want to be together and then they'd be like cool and they come back and then i would start having feelings again and they would run away it's like this whole push-pull dynamic um and it's terrible so like I looked up on on the internet just kind of to give you some background on anxious and avoidant attachment and this whole push-pull dynamic, um, which in a situationship, it's very dramatic, right? It's very like, it was very obviously an anxious avoidant partnership, at least with me and my experience. And I think you'll find most dysfunctional couples that you meet are anxious avoidant. Uh, and in this last this last relationship I had, I was a recovering anxious and my partner's kind of in recovering avoidant. And so we made this really secure partnership for like a solid year until the cracks started coming into play. And like the fear started setting in of like, basically leading up to our breakup, um, my ex started pulling away and started disengaging and going into all these like, distancing avoidant behaviors and then that started that like triggered my anxious my anxiousness like it like woke it up from the grave and um but the difference was is that even though I was anxious I I didn't go into the same um anxious coping mechanisms of like reaching and reaching and reaching and pushing him away I I had I I implemented my the tools that I'd learned from some of the books that I've read and I self-soothed and I was like, it's okay. Like speak your truth. Like, your needs are valid. And if they can't meet them, dope. Like we'll just keep it moving. So it's just been interesting witnessing myself in that. But to give you some context, I did look up on psychology today, just some um, uh, definition-esque things behind anxious and avoidant attachment styles. Um. And I got this from an article. It says why anxious and avoidant attachment attract each other. And under anxious attachment style, it says people with an anxious attachment style tend to fear abandonment and seek closeness and reassurance from their partners. <laughs> Facts. They may feel anxious and insecure when their partner is unavailable or distant, often seeking constant validation and reassurance. Anxious attachment can develop from, can develop from inconsistent care in which a child's caregiver alternates between intrusiveness and emotional distance. 
So I am, like I said, I'm kind of a more disorganized, which is like anxious and avoidant at the same time attachment because I had one parent who was like super tuned into my emotional needs and then another parent who was uh, verbally abusive. So it's like, sometimes I feel safe when I'm scared and sometimes I feel safe when I'm cared for. I don't know. It just kind of depends on the day. And then under avoidant attachment style, it says people with an avoidant attachment style are often uncomfortable with emotional closeness and may value their independence and autonomy. They may feel uncomfortable with intimacy and may tend to distance themselves emotionally or physically when relationships become too close or demanding. Avoidant attachment can develop when a child's caretaker doesn't show nurturing behavior, instead being being consistently emotionally unavailable or unresponsive. So I also have this tendency. And and let me caveat by saying, I think you can have different attachment styles in different relationships. Like for me, I am more avoidant in friendship, which is interesting. Um, I mean, at least I used to be. Um, and also like if somebody hurts my feelings and like I am, I like cut you off. Like I create distance. I like want to run away and hide. I want to whatever. Like if I feel like I'm being judged or made fun of I'm like totally avoidant which I think a lot of people would say same but and then also in friendships like sometimes if my friends when I was younger before I realized I was an emotional person like I was very uncomfortable with people crying like I didn't know how to hold space for people going through hardship like I was like why are you crying like I don't understand this makes me uncomfortable and I would distance myself so that they wouldn't have to lean on me um or I just didn't have a whole lot of close friends when I was younger like really like with true intimacy like as an adult I have true intimacy with my friends because I share myself with them now but I didn't used to do that because I didn't trust people with to be able to hold my emotions so I so I didn't hold theirs either you know and then whereas like in romantic relationship I'm way more anxious and this has everything to do with my father wound um because you know my dad is the one who verbally was verbally abusive so naturally like it's like, he, I was, but I was also his little princess. So it's very confusing. You know, the same person who's like, I love you. I'm your biggest fan is also like yelling at you and making you feel like you're a burden. So I kind of have both of these, but the key takeaway is the fact that like anxious people, they reach in and avoid people pull out. And essentially like the reason why pe- these anxious and avoiding people are attracted to each other is because they confirm their like fear right so anxious people think that everybody leaves and so they they like they reach for the avoidant and the avoidance always leaving so it just confirms like the anxious attached person's like core belief and the avoidance are like people are gonna smother me and i'm not gonna have my independence and so the anxious person always reaching for them trying to get them to be a part of the like their partnership they're like oh my god i was right like people i'm uh I'm never going to have my independence if I'm in a relationship and that's so scary. But what I've also learned, um, what I also learned just through different books that I've read, one of them being uh, Attached, The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love by Amir Levine, MD, and uh, there's another, I could have swore he had a co-author or they had a co-author, but uh, Amir Levine, Dr. Levine, um, he wrote the book. I read that book uh, several years ago after my situationship that ended terribly. Um, just because I was like, 
why the fuck am I still doing this, bro? Like I, I'm, I'm grown. I need to figure this shit out. Um, the anxious and avoidant have the same desire. Like they both crave intimacy, but they just, they go about it in two different ways. Like they're both afraid of intimacy, but they both crave it deeply. Right. Um, and the anxious like reaches for intimacy because they're like, I'm never going to get it unless I steal it. Right. And then the avoidance, they like run away from it because it scares the shit out of them, even though they really want it. But like if the anxious just let up a little bit, then the avoidant could creep back closer. You know, it's like a whole thing. It's a whole song and dance. But this article also talks about this pull, push-pull dynamic. And it says the push-pull dynamic between an anxious and avoidant partner can be challenging and lead to a cycle of frustration and dissatisfaction. The anxious partner may constantly feel on edge and insecure due to the avoidant partner's emotional distance, which is just like they don't feel safe at all. So they're always trying to create that safety. The anxious is always trying to create that safety. And they never get it from the avoidant because the avoidant's like, no, I don't want to give it to you because you asked for it. It's like the avoidant's always having a temper tantrum. Um, so it says, uh, in contrast, the avoidant partner may feel overwhelmed and pressured by the anxious partner's need for closeness. This dynamic can result in a cycle of emotional distancing and re-engagement, causing stress and instability in the relationship. A partner with an avoidant attachment may need a break from the relationship due to feeling overwhelmed, causing the partner with an anxious attachment to experience an intense fear of abandonment. Literally my whole life. <laughs> Bro, it never ends. Um, that's what happened with my last relationship with my ex. Thinking about the future freaked him out uh, so much to the point where like he didn't want to come home anymore and... um. And I'm not even sure that he realized that's what was happening. <laughs> Obviously, hindsight's 2020, so it's like very easy to go back and like, you know, dissect things of like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. But it doesn't make the fear any less visceral. Like I, you know, I read the book Attached, and one of the things that I noticed, it's a great book to get educated on like how attachment styles work and how they operate, especially with real life examples. But the thing, the thing that I didn't like about the book was the fact that like it made the avoidant partner like the villain, right? And a lot of the different situations, it was like the avoidant partner didn't try and the avoidant partner was like disengaged and the avoidant partner was like all these things. But I think it just, I think it's because we have, we've decided that because the anxious partner is the one who's putting in a lot of the effort in relationship, like when it comes to trying to fix it even if it's manic, like we've deemed that that's like the, that's the healthier, that's the better, like they're like the hero in the relationship, but it's not true. Like both the anxious and the avoidant are both the problem. <laughs> okay. Um, like when you're like, when you're full sending your anxious attachment, like you are like, you're putting your whole brain power on this partner. Like you're putting, you're putting your safety on an external thing right? Like on this person that's outside of you, whereas you really, the work is taking that projection that like this person's going to make safety for you, like and putting it all in your partner. Like you have to give that to yourself. That's the work of the anxious attached person. That was my work, right? Like why was I always thinking like, do they love me? Do they want me? Are they going to leave? Like that, you know, I've talked about this before. Like I took those questions of like, do, do they love me? And I put them back on myself. Like, do I even love them? Do I like them? You know, like 
what do I like? What do I want to do? Like, and that's, that was that work of like healing the anxious attachment in me was like, stop. I stopped putting all the safe, all my safety on my partner. Like, no, I give myself the safety. And then I can, and then I can be like, Hey, can you also provide safety? Yes or no. And that's how you choose a partner that's healthy for you. Right. But you can't put that, all that pressure on your partner. And so then so like, you know, we make the avoidance, like the villain and in, in our story, usually because like the anxious is like so seemingly helpful, which really they're, they're just as, you know, annoying as the avoidant because the avoidant, the way that they deal with, with that pressure from the anxious is they're like, no, 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 no. I don't like this, bro. Like you cannot be leaning on me for all of this. I don't like this pressure. I don't like this, this, um, like I can't do, I can't give you all the safety. Like I don't trust you. Right. You can't even have safety for yourself. How am I supposed to trust you with my safety? Right. And so then the avoidant like disengages and then they like kind of they're like, ah, I don't like this. This is sticky. This is too much pressure. Like gross. So they disengage. They like avoid their the anxious partner. And then like it's just neither one of them feels safe. Right. Because then like the avoidance like, well, damn, like I now you're just confirming the fact that like. I can't trust you to like give me space right? I can't trust you. And that's how I get my safety, right? The anxious gets their safety and closeness. The avoidant gets their safety in space. And neither one of them can trust each other to give each other what they need. Because what? Because, and the, the trick to that is like, you have to find a balance, right? There's a balance to be found. The anxious has to provide the safety for themselves and the avoidant has to provide the safety for themselves. And then they meet in the middle where they can like cohabitate in this beautiful dance of like, we both take care of our own needs and we both give each other space so that we can have closeness and we can get the intimacy that we always deeply, truly desired. That being said, I, in my last, in like my situationship I had several years ago, I was very much so in my anxious, <laughs> my anxious bag. Yes, queen. But I was like still trying to have respect for myself. And it was just, that's why it was like such an off and on thing. Cause I was like, no, thank you. I don't want you, but like, let's have some fun. No, thank you. I don't want you. Let's have some fun. And like, it was a bad situation anyway, because like the, the guy I was in a situation with did not respect me. He did not care about me. And if he did, like, he didn't do it in a way that met my standard. Um, he was always curious about me and always like, you know, thought I was like cool or whatever and like was always checking up on the things that I was doing and wanted my attention but like did not actually deeply care about me in any way in any real way not even as a friend because friends respect each other and he didn't respect me um, <laughs> um can you tell I'm better Jesus Christ <laughs> hilarious um and my, whereas like with my ex like I was really trying to bring that security in myself to the table, like, and show him that I like, I knew he was like naturally leaned avoidant. So I was like, okay, like whatever happens, like I'm, I need to make sure that like, it's not me. Like, I mean, nothing anybody does is, is like really a you problem. Like that's everybody's going through their own thing. Like everyone's their own main character in their story. But like when it came to showing up in relationship, I wanted to do my best to like leave my anxious attachment at the door. Like I had learned so much about anxious attachment. I like wanted to bring the tools that I had to the table and to really lean into like whenever I feel those anxious feelings, instead of ruminating or reaching and grasping, 
I'm going to speak up for myself. I'm going to communicate effectively and I'm going to leave room for my needs to like hang, you know, and see and and let them meet me in those needs. Like I'm not going to reach for them and, and demand them. Like I'm just going to let them show up for me if they can. And if they do, then we'll just keep it flowing. And at the times where like when I could feel myself overreacting to things that like didn't warrant a, a reaction in that way, like I would self-soothe. I would use the tools that I learned. Like I would ground myself in the truth and 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 ask myself, like, am I mad because I asked for what I needed and they didn't show up, or am I mad because I just made something up in my head? Like I had so many arguments with my partner in my head. <laughs> right? Of me working through like my anxious attachment, like flare-ups. And looking back, like those flare-ups didn't come out of nowhere. Like looking back, like my partner did still exhibit some avoidant behaviors, like, and there were some yellow flags and those yellow flags had everything to do with the future and me not feeling secure in the future. I felt secure in the present. I didn't feel secure in the future. So what did I do? I asked more questions. Right. I had the conversation of, do you see me being your, your wife? And the answer was no. And that was the truth. And so now I can move forward with like a real true baseline, right? Like I wasn't feeling insecure for no reason. Like I wasn't feeling anxious for no reason, which is dope. Very validating. Thank you. Even though it's painful. So, but so anyway, so like I wanted to like bring those tools to the table. And honestly, like I had a point and I lost my train of thought just now. Not me talking to myself. <laughs> My my main point is the fact that like, you know, neither one of these people are the villain, but the goal is to have secure attachment. Like I wanted to make sure in my last relationship, I was as securely attached as humanly possible. And honestly, my partner showed up securely attached, like for the most part too. Like, and so that's why our relationship was so beautiful. Every time we had it, like something came up and we had a question or maybe we disagreed on something, we sat down and we talked about it. Like I spoke up for myself and that empowered him to speak up for himself. And because every time I felt anxious, I wasn't showing up in like manic mode of like, answer my questions and tell me you love me and validate my experience and give me the safety. Because I didn't do that, it left room for him to be able to show up more vulnerably. And I fucking loved that shit. I ate it up. I was like, this is awesome. Yes, thank you. Please more. More, please. And that's why we could create this like beautiful relationship where we were both showing up and advocating for ourselves and being vulnerable and being intimate. And it's like, the, the more I leaned into my secure attachment, the more he could lean into his. And like, it created this beautiful safe space um, where I know that like, at, at, some of the, at some points in time where he, I could sense that he wanted to pull away, like I could feel him choosing to hang in the discomfort and to like have the conversation and to, you know, I'll meet me in safety the way I was meeting him in safety. Like, and it was beautiful. And I was like, so grateful that I could have that experience. Cause like, honestly, like I've learned so much about this stuff. Like, I don't know how to articulate it, I guess <laughs> in the most, I don't know how to say it in the most articulate way, but I've learned so much and I've integrated so much. And, um, I go back to the like to the, the thing of like I'm so glad I got to experience that in relationship. I'm so glad I got to like actually use these tools in real life of self-soothing and and you know pausing before I freak out and like grounding myself in in the truth and in reality and 
and creating safety in myself, like literally with the mantra of like, no matter what happens, like I got me, no matter what happens, I got me. Like, this is my truth. It's fair for me to speak my truth. It's fair for me to speak my truth. Like I deserve good things. You know what I mean? Like if this goes bad, like the world doesn't end, right? Like no matter what they say, this is the truth and this is what I need. I don't want to shrink myself just because, you know, I feel like I'm too much for this person, right? So I got to practice that. I'm very grateful. And I wanted to get into, so that's like the anxious avoidant attachment. That's the push-pull kind of thing that happens. Um, in the book, Attached, I still think it's an incredible book to read if you were curious about attachment theory. Um, and if you're an anxious girly like me, you probably already read the book, let's be honest. But for the avoidance out there, like, please, please, please learn about how your attachment style is literally the same as the anxious. It's just a different, it's just a different packaging, right? Like we all want deep intimacy. That's what we all want as people, right? But it's, it's important like closeness and independence is a balance. It, like the beauty hangs in the balance and like that's where the secure attachment comes into play. And essentially like the, the three main takeaways that I found on uh, four, uh, fourminutebooks.com because I actually gave away my um, my copy of Attached. Um, the I looked up fourminutebooks.com four just to give you like a rundown because I don't remember exactly everything that, that's in the book. But it is a it is a good book in terms of giving great examples of like how this plays out in relationship. And uh, the three main things is like, number one, everyone needs attachment. It's a prerequisite for a happy and healthy life. Literally so true. I mean, research has been done on if you have healthy relationships, happy, healthy relationships, like you will live longer. Like you will have a higher quality of life. We need people. Like we need our tribe. We need, Whether it's romantic or not, like we need community. We need friends. We need people to lean on, right? And this anxious avoidant attachment isn't just in romantic relationships. It could be with your parents. It could be with your friends. It will very well show up in your romantic relationships as well. But no matter what, like attachment and uh, relationship is like a prerequisite like to a happy, healthy life. Like you, whether, no matter what you're trying to figure out, like getting to be to a more securely attached place is better for everyone involved. You, your friends, your family, everyone involved because you can meet your needs and then you can bring your full self to the table to be in a relationship. And I think that's beautiful. Uh, number two, there are three different attachment styles. Which one are you? So it talks about the three different attachment styles. We talks about anxious, avoidant, and then secure. Uh, I don't think the book goes into too much detail about disorganized um, or anxious avoidant. I think there's actually an anxious avoidant like together um, attachment style, but it doesn't, I don't think it goes into the nuance of those in the book. I'm not, it might, but I'm just not sure. Um, in the, in this, uh, four minute.com, um, article, it said anxious. If you have an anxious attachment style, you'll spend a lot of time worrying about whether your partner loves you. If they're spending enough time with you and what's going on when they don't call you back within a few minutes, you feel a constant need to be with your partner, need them to be accessible all the time and take what they do and say very personally. I can personally relate to the thinking about if they love you all the time and uh, taking what they do very personally. Like those two right there hit home to a T. Like when I tell you when I was in that situation ship and even towards the end of my relationship with my ex, 
That's all I thought about all day long. It's just them and what they're thinking about and how and if they're thinking about me and what they're thinking about me and do they love me and you know all just my brain just going in a spiral around and around and around and I even remember journaling towards the like towards the end of beginning of the end of my relationship with my ex I was journaling and I was like I'm thinking about him all day like that is not a good sign because before you know the beginning of the end of like that conversation we had I didn't think about him in that kind of way at all like for a full year I didn't think in like more than a year I guess I guess a full year I did not have a single spiral like that for the whole first year of our relationship and then it was like immediately after that conversation like all like that the big conversation I talk about in uh, I think episode two like who the hell is Kira G like that episode, like, I mean, the conversation, like after that, it was like all safety was gone. And I was like, totally, totally just like triggered right back into my anxious attachment style. Cause I like all my safety had been taken away from me. All of my, all my trust had been taken away from me. Like that I had like, I kind of like the, I felt like I was just jolted into a totally different reality. And so I was just like ruminating all day of like, oh my God, like, you know, do they like me? Do they love me? Like, how am I an idiot? Like, did I miss all these signs? Like, you know, I'm like overanalyzing every single text, every single conversation, like hundred percent relate to that. And so then it says avoidant, um, you value your independence more than the relationship. You struggle with sharing feelings and recognizing them in others and tend to quickly assign blame to others, including your partner, when things go wrong. You keep holding out for the quote unquote right one, And that makes it easy for you to find little ways in which your partner irritates you. (laughs) This is probably why the right person, wrong time triggers me so much is because I, I've experienced this like (laughs) literally, I mean, I remember when I dated my narcissist uh, boyfriend during COVID or my COVID boyfriend who happened to be a narcissist. Um, it was like three weeks in you know, after being like the love of his life and like the most wonderful person he's ever met and like all these wonderful things, granted he's a narcissist. So like he was love bombing me. It was like three weeks in and the same things he loved about me were irritating to him. I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, cooking the right way. And I wasn't doing this the right way. And I wasn't doing, and he's like, oh, well you should meditate like this and you should do that. And like, that's an extreme version of that, you know, of him nitpicking, but the situation ship, I didn't even get to that point because he didn't like me <laughs> like at all. And that was, you know, that's a low point in my myself, my self-respect journey. But then with my ex, this most recent ex, yeah, I mean, like, even though it was subtle, like I still noticed it. Like when he was starting to disengage and he was starting to like really lean into like his fear of like, what am I doing? And and all this is all speculation and based off conversations we've had, but you know, when he started spiraling of like, am I just repeating an old pattern? Like, what am I doing? Like, I don't want to come home. And it was in that time frame when I was in my anxious mess and he was in his avoidant mess that like, yeah, like he would start, he got started getting really ir- irritated at me about little things. Like just the way that he would ask me questions, like felt like there was judgment behind them or like, I can't even, I don't know. We lived together. So it was like little things like I can't even pinpoint them, but I just remember how they made me feel like, and it made me feel like everything I was doing was wrong. 
and even whether that was like his intention or not it didn't change the fact that like and whether he knew he was doing it or not it doesn't change the fact that it was happening you know um and it was when those things were happening that like it triggered my anxiety because you know at that point i'm in i'm in hypervigilance mode so i'm like fuck like something is so so wrong and he's not even aware of it yet but like i don't feel like i have the right to ask yet cuz it's it's like not that big of a deal but it was like small enough to make to for me to notice it you know it was like all these things were happening um and and that's why like the whole right one thing the right one wrong time it like pisses me off because it's just like fuck are you just continuing to like find fault <laughs> in what we are because like, if that's the case then okay like that's a that's a losing battle like you're always going to find things that are wrong things are always going to irritate you like if you're looking for them you're going to find them right and like maybe that's the the pessimistic realist i don't know but like i'm a pragmatic optimist so i look past all the small shit because at the end of the day like it doesn't fucking matter like we get along, we fight well, like we love each other. Let's fucking go. Like that's all I it's all I need, right? For me. But that's not the same for other people. And I have to respect that. Like everyone has a process. And it doesn't make their process wrong just because it's not what I it's not me, right? So that's what it says about the, the avoidant. Um, they value their independence more than their relationship and the anxious values closeness more than their independence. And it's like, well, of course it's not gonna work because they're two very different values. Um, then the four minute, uh, book.com, uh, goes on to say about secure, secure attachments. It says securely attached, pe- uh, secure attachment strikes the ideal balance between caring enough and not worrying too much. A secure person just feels comfortable with intimacy and sharing feelings without constantly stressing about it. You can read between the lines, judge your partner well, and don't sweat it. Personally, um, and I, I added this part. I said, personally, I think that you can ebb and flow between these attachment styles, depending on who you're relating to. Like I can tell you, I can think to like some people I have avoidant attachment with, I have anxious attachment with, I have secure, but mostly I'm ebbing and flowing in the securely attached. Like, like I said, it strikes an ideal balance between caring enough and not worrying too much. So it's like, yeah, there's things that irritate you, but like you can keep your eye on the prize, like on the bigger picture, right? It's like you can love somebody for who they are, not who they're not. That's secure attachment. Whereas like insecure attachment, which is anxious and or avoidant, they're focusing on what people aren't versus what they are, right? It's like, you're not doing this for me and you're not doing this for me and you're doing this wrong and you're doing that and you can't provide safety and you can't do this. Whereas securely attached people, they're like, yeah, I'll show up in intimacy because I like you and I love you. Dope. If anything goes wrong, we'll talk about it. Like, I'm not going to take everything you say personally because, like, you have your own life that you're living. But, like, if something's wrong, I expect you to bring it to the table. That's secure attachment. And I think if you're recovering, and if you're a recovering avoidant or anxiously attached person, like, you can very well be a securely attached person and maybe dip into those anxious and avoidant tendencies. But, you know, the more you learn how to deal with them, like, with therapy or with you know, different, different modalities or different tools that you collect, like you can get yourself back into that securely attached place fairly easily. And that's kind of what I've been witnessing myself do, which has been cool. Um, the third thing that the book talks about, um, the third takeaway is that effective communication is the best way to guarantee your happiness in any relationship. Facts. What have I, what have I been saying? Like as soon as, as soon as like I would feel an anxious 
ping, right? Where I wanted to be like, oh my God, do they like me? Do they blah, blah, blah. In my last relationship, I would just bring it to the table. Like instead, like I wouldn't force myself to sit in that discomfort of like making up a story. I would just ask what the truth is, right? Like that is the you know opposite of depression is expression, right? So instead of sitting in my own and wallowing in my own in a story that I created in my head, in my anxiously attached spiraling brain, I would just pose the question and ask it forthright. And that would like, it didn't even matter what the answer was because like just me expressing myself and, and showing up for that need and showing up for myself in that way, like made me feel better, you know? And then, you know, based off whatever the answer was, that would, you know, <laughs> that would decide how I felt moving forward. Um, but that's why I'll say like the truth sets you free. Like the truth is like, oh, such a freaking gift. Like one of the guys in the house right now, like, he was dating a girl for a couple of weeks and he was, he wanted to, you know, ask her if she wanted to be exclusive because he really liked her. And so he asked, he put himself out there. He like run, ran the risk, which I think my friend is like naturally a, um, an anxiously attached person because I relate to him in a lot of really interesting ways. I'm like, yeah, I've been there, buddy. So anyway, he spoke his truth. He, he put himself out there. He like advocated for himself and he was like, yo, like you're cool. I think I want to be in a relationship. I want to be exclusive. And she was like, and she met him with, I'm not ready for a relationship right now. And he, he's obviously, you know, devastated, not happy, you know, like, you know, who would want to, who would be happy about that? Right. But he advocated for himself. He spoke up for himself. And even though like he's sad or whatever, like as I would be too, he still expressed himself and he did it. And like, that's like the first step to getting, becoming securely attached is advocating for yourself, showing up for yourself, um, speaking your truth asking the questions and and it doesn't matter what the answer is because like that's that's what's important and then you know whatever the answer is if they can't if they don't want to be in a relationship and that doesn't match what you want then at that point in time to keep yourself from being in this push-pull relationship of like becoming in a situationship or whatever like you have to you have to draw a line in the sand and be like okay that's cool no harm no foul like but I also don't want to relate to you in a casual way. So I'm going to say sayonara. It's been fun, but bye. And that's how you keep yourself from, from getting in that weird push-pull dynamic. Um, what's interesting about this, my, this last relationship I was in is that we didn't have a push-pull dynamic. Like We didn't have an avoidant, anxious relationship until the very end. And that's why it was like so confusing to me because I was like, damn, like, I was, I asked myself, I'm like, am I dumb? Like, did I miss all of this, all of this coming? Like, I swear I didn't see this coming. Um, but I'm not dumb. Like new information was presented, new questions were asked and I was met with new, with, with new answers. You know, that's how that works. And then I have to do what makes sense for me with the new information, like new information equals new choice. Right. So all of this to say, <laughs> right person wrong time is bullshit <laughs> um like uh the whole philosophy i mean when you take into consideration like attachment theory and you take into consideration just like circumstance and 
and all the things you can do with your life, like, I think it all comes back down to choice, right? Like, even in, even in a situationship with an anxious avoidant, like, or even a relationship with anxious avoidant, like, you can choose to stop living that pattern whenever you want. You know, it just takes, it takes some awareness and takes some effort. And for the right person, wrong time, it takes some choice and it takes some effort. Like, it's the exact same thing. Um, and maybe you can be right person, right time at a, at a different, in a different, different date, a different time in space. But like, you cannot do that without change, right? Because if nothing changes, then nothing changes. That's how it works. And I, even if you, and even if though I'm hopeful for change and you, you can be hopeful for change, right? Like, that's beautiful. I love that you have the open heart space to like, be available for that. But like, it doesn't guarantee the fact that it's going to happen. Like the only thing that exists is the present. And if in the present moment, it's the right person, wrong time, you're just the wrong person. I'm just the wrong person. And I think the only antidote to that is to let it go. And that hurts my own feelings. But it feels like the truth. I can want whatever I want. And it doesn't change anything. Because it takes two people to tango. It doesn't matter that I would drop what I'm doing right now and move back and try again. Like, it doesn't matter because that's not their truth. And you have to ground yourself in the truth. So if you're a person who's like going through the situation or if you are an anxious person or an avoidant person trying to become more secure, a securely attached person, my advice to you is do some research, right? Like read attached, read like there's like there's a book called The Dance of Intimacy by um Harriet Lerner. A fucking awesome book. There's attached by Amir Levine, Dr. Uh, MD. Like these books talk about relationship and relating. There's also a book called The Dance of Anger by Har uh, Harriet Lerner, which I haven't read yet, but it's on my list. Um I learned a lot about just like the push-pull dynamic, about the anxious the anxiously attached, the avoidantly attached, um, where it comes from, of course, this all goes back to childhood and our needs not being met in certain ways and how we dealt with those needs and meeting those needs with maladaptive coping mechanisms. Like everything just goes back to freaking childhood, bro. Like I wish that wasn't true, but it is. And so I encourage you to look into that and I encourage you to practice creating like safety in yourself. And part of creating safety in yourself is by being able to trust yourself. And how do you trust yourself? You keep promises to yourself. What are those promises? Those promises are things like, I'm going to read every day, or I'm going to work out, or I'm going to eat this. It's just showing up for yourself in a way that like, you said you're going to. Everything is everything, and everything is related to everything. And really, I just wanted to use this episode, episode seven, my lucky number seven, to just get this shit off my chest. Like, and I hope it made sense. And I hope that you enjoyed it. Or at the very least, were what? Entertained. Um, yeah. It's not a good feeling. 
hearing that you were the right person wrong time. It's not a good feeling. It doesn't feel good. And I didn't know it was going to feel so bad until I heard the words <laughs> said to me. Because in theory, like the hopeless romantic in me is like, oh my God, you're so right. Like we're going to connect in the future and everything's going to be exactly the way that I wanted. And we're going to live happily ever after. Because I have this vision of our future that's like us married with our kids and we're, we own a business and like you're still doing your thing and I'm still doing my thing and like we're happy and it's balanced and we communicate well and we fight well and we like the same things and we go on vacations and we fucking love each other. But like, that's my vision. I can't share that vision unless it's shared with me. You can't make yourself the right person in somebody else's life. You can't make it the right person. You have to decide that together. And this is an emotional is an emotional time for me because I'm like actively working through this <laughs> on the internet for everybody to listen to. But you know what? Like I said, that was the whole point of this. I told you it was going to be vulnerable. I told you it was going to be my shit. And, you know, hopefully listening to me work through what I'm going through helps you in some way. Um, and I'm grateful for this opportunity and I'm grateful to be here. Um, and some things I, I put at the end of my notes in, in terms of writing about the show is like, right person, wrong time thinking, like, if they wanted to, they would. But also, maybe they aren't able to right now. But that doesn't mean that you wait around for them to figure it out. <laughs> to figure out, figure it out, and to figure out if they choose you or not. And I'll, uh, like, I just, that's, that sums it up. Maybe they aren't able to right now, but that doesn't mean you wait around for them to figure out how to choose you. Damn. Also, it's like, even if you're in this wonderful relationship and, and it's incredible in all of these ways, like if your partner reaches a threshold of intimacy and yours keeps going, like you, you can't, you can't make them keep going. Like they have to want to, they have to work at it. Like they have to figure out how to meet you at your threshold. Like, and if your threshold is non-existent, then it's like. You have to find someone else who, whose threshold is non-existent. You know, like, it just fucking sucks. Like, I don't believe in right person, wrong time. I believe in right person, right time. Wrong person, wrong time. Like, I believe in time is irrelevant. Like, you, you do what's important to you. You choose who you want to choose. You build the life that you want to build. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts. Like, you don't, there's no chance to life. Like it's like luck favors the prepared, you know? And like, I feel like for me, like I've been preparing for my right person, right time. I've been preparing for it. I've been studying. It's like relationship is all I care about, you know? And so to be met with right person, wrong time just feels like a, like a, it's just a lesson. It's just a lesson in so close. It's a lesson in close, but no cigar. 
it's a lesson in a lesson. What the hell? It's a lesson in like a taste of what it could be like, you know. But when I actually get it, it'll be that much more glorious. It'll be like, ah, oh, I'm so glad I'm the right person, right time, you know. And now my work is just not settling for anything less. I don't want anyone to settle for me either. I'm fucking amazing. I don't want someone to just haphazardly choose me because I just happen to be around. I want to be a hell yes. You know? And I just have to keep reminding myself about that. And I'm still grateful for, I'm still grateful for the lesson, you know, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful lesson. But I'm just the wrong person. And I guess they are too. <sighs> and on that note, I think it's time for bed. <laughs> Whoa, you guys got me all worked up there. Jesus. Lucky number seven. That's my lucky number. So, and the best part is full moon in Cancer today. <laughs> Mercury's in retrograde. There's a full moon in Cancer. And guess who's a Cancer rising? It's me. It's me. So it's only appropriate that I would cry on episode seven on the full moon in Cancer a week before the new year in the middle of Mercury retrograde. Like, it just feels so, like... It feels very me-coded. Um, and so I'm going to leave you guys with some... All that being said, I'm going to leave you with some affirmations. I'm going to... Yeah, I'm going to leave you with some affirmations. And I'm going to make them... I'm going to put you at the forefront of them. And, and I'm going to say this. And hear this and know that... It, and just And if it resonates, let it soak in. You can do hard things. You deserve to be someone's right person, right time. Even if you are your own right person, right time. You are beautiful. You are worthy of good things. You are love personified. You try your best, and that's enough. I fucking love you, whoever you are. You're dope. You're incredible. I love the way you show up for people. I love the way you try your best. I think that's good. That's all I got for today. Oh my goodness, let's all just take a deep breath. <sighs> what a ride. That's the show for this week, guys. An hour and a half, not too shabby. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for showing up. Thank you so much for listening. Please like, share, subscribe to Perfection Unfolding Pod on Instagram. 
on YouTube. Give this show a five-star review. And if you have questions, if you have, if you would like some anecdotal advice, if you have advice for me, I mean, by all means, email me at perfectionunfoldingpod at gmail.com. I, and also like I'm a, I'm a certified health coach and I'm in the process of getting my certification in life coaching. So if you are interested in any coaching by me, health coaching, life coaching, or in relationship coaching at that, even though I'm literally just talking about how my relationship has failed, has failed, whatever, it's fine. Um, you can find me at carriagecoaching.com. That's carriagecoaching.com. I am open for free consultations. Um, I haven't been plugging it because I've been nervous, but you guys, this is literally all I care about is health and relationships. It's my bread and butter. It's what I'm here to do. It's what I'm, it's it's how I want to contribute to the world. Um, I do free, free, uh, health coach uh, consultations and or relationship coach consultations. You can find scheduling on my website again at carriagecoaching.com. Um, but yeah, uh, hit me up, reach out again, follow, like, subscribe, share, tell a friend, listen to the pod, share it on your story. Like just blow it up. I really, if you find any value in this, if you think it's cool, just let me know, bro. Just just holler at your girl. Even if you just want to send me an email with a, with a nice words of affirmations, that is my number one love language. Um, I would greatly appreciate the feedback. If you have any ideas, if you have any topics you want me to discuss, please like shoot them my way. Like I am, <laughs> I am all ears. I'm pretty much just doing the show intuitively. So who knows? And any given, any given week, it could be something crazy, but I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. This has been another episode of Perfection Unfolding with me, Kara G. I'll talk to you next week. Okay, bye.